This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Powerplay, a new series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Danson Chong, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. And I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. Together every month, both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. To kick this episode off, we're going to look at vaccine diplomacy. Carissa, you live in DC. When did you get vaccinated? My second dose was last month. When did you get vaccinated in Beijing? I got vaccinated back in April. Uh, you know, I think that shows how China has had a bit of a head start with vaccination. Uh, if you remember, near the beginning of this year, when Western countries like the US uh, didn't have enough vaccines and were hoarding and keeping you know, these vaccines for themselves, I think China took advantage of the fact that it had the pandemic largely under control within its borders and could export vaccines to other countries. So Beijing provided vaccines to many developing countries early on, like Brazil and Indonesia. Some of these countries were also places where Chinese vaccine makers were conducting trials. But many of these developing countries you know, could not buy uh, Western vaccines simply because you know, orders for Pfizer and Moderna jabs had been snapped up by Western countries. So to them, Chinese vaccines seemed like a lifesaver. Yeah, I remember how some rich nations like Canada ordered enough vaccines to inoculate each Canadian five times. So, you know, for Chinese President Xi Jinping, who has been very vocal about saying Chinese vaccines are global public good, uh, this was a golden PR opportunity. The Chinese Foreign Ministry has not released a full breakdown of where its doses are going, but has said that it has provided more than 350 million doses so far to the international community of which 100 million doses were delivered to Southeast Asia. But now, with vaccination rates creeping up in the US, you know, the Biden administration seems to be looking abroad. Do you think the tables have turned? Or do you think the damage has already been done to Washington's reputation? Yeah, there was definitely some damage done to America's reputation when they basically kept doses to vaccinate their own people. And it wasn't only America, but also other rich Western countries doing that. So Denson, like you said, this created a sort of vaccine vacuum which benefited China, which became pretty much the only game in town. But I think the tables are turning now. President Biden said last week that he would buy and donate 500 million doses of Pfizer around the world. And this is on top of 80 million doses already announced. The G7 countries also announced that they would donate a combined 1 billion doses. So for America, this is a chance for it to repair the damage to its reputation while casting doubt on Beijing's motives. You know, I thought it was interesting how Biden had said that vaccines from the US were not going to come with strings attached. You know, it seemed like a comment that was directed straight at China. Oh, it was absolutely directed at China. America has accused China of using vaccines to encourage Latin American countries like Honduras not to recognize Taiwan as a country anymore, for example. So it's sort of an implicit thing. If we give you vaccines, we expect you to withdraw your diplomatic recognition of Taiwan. So there are two key differences between China and America here. One, America is mostly donating its vaccines, but China is mostly selling its vaccines. The second difference, China is mostly doing it in a bilateral way, while America is going about it in a multilateral way. What what I mean is that Beijing is overwhelmingly sending or selling its vaccines directly to recipient countries. So only 10 million doses out of hundreds of millions of doses are going through COVAX. That's the global procurement scheme which distributes vaccines more fairly to low-income countries. In comparison, almost all of America's 580 million doses so far are going through COVAX. And only about 20 million doses are being sent to places chosen by America. 
So I think this means a country might be able to get vaccines from China faster because of less red tape, but that might also make it more vulnerable to diplomatic pressure from China. And countries will have to decide what trade-offs they want to make. I think when it comes to Chinese aid, uh, Beijing has a has a bad reputation. You you think of um, you know the Belt and Road Initiative and the term you know debt trap diplomacy springs to mind. Um, I think it's also the case with countries on the receiving end of China's vaccines, like you say. Um, will you know Beijing use this uh, vaccine supply to you know help uh, achieve its geopolitical goals? You know, or, or will it cut off supply if if there are disagreements, like you said? It's a big worry, I think, and I think many countries uh, receiving uh, Chinese vaccines are, are thinking about this. That's why I think uh, there's a good amount of relief that the U.S. is now taking a more active role. I, th- I think if we just look at some of the ASEAN nations, you know, Malaysia, the Philippines, uh, Indonesia. It, it, if you look at the choices they made, I think they were all very conscious about not having to rely solely on, on China-made vaccines. Uh, for example, if you look at Malaysia, apart from Sinovac, uh, they have vaccines from Pfizer and AstraZeneca. Taiwan, you know, is also an example of how China has used its vaccines as a political tool. Uh, you know, we, we are recording this in, in June uh, 2021. And the situation there now is that, you know, the island is still battling a wave of, of COVID-19 infections. You know, it does not have enough vaccines. And Taiwanese officials have blamed China for blocking a deal with Germany's uh, BioNTech for its uh, mRNA vaccines. You know, these are the, the Pfizer, BioNTech, uh, mRNA vaccines that we also use in Singapore. So, you know, Beijing has offered its own domestic vaccines to the people of Taiwan. Uh, the self root island has have so far, you know, rejected uh, these these advances. Uh, but Chinese state media have pointed to this to say that uh, Taiwan's president uh, Tsai Ing-wen is ignoring uh, her people's pleas uh, for help. So my question is, Carissa, how do you think Washington's vaccines will factor in the region? You know, looking at Taiwan and Southeast Asia. Yeah, I think the concern of being too reliant on China's vaccines is one reason why the U.S. can catch up in the region. So Southeast Asian countries don't want to put all their eggs in one basket. So in practice, most countries are getting their vaccines from both the US and China where they can. So I think that how successful their vaccine diplomacy will be will come down to who can actually deliver the vaccine doses. So here I think, Denson, that America is in a good position to deliver because right now America has more doses than it can use at home and it's also ramping up production. So actually this need to prioritize its own people was what held America back in the beginning. But now analysts think that it's going to be China that will be held back a bit in the near future by this. So now that China is prioritizing its domestic needs, it won't be able to release huge amounts of vaccines to compete with US overseas. And one other thing, if you remember, COVAX was relying on India to produce vaccine doses for other countries. But this plan fell through when COVID surged in India and India had to use these doses to vaccinate its own people. But now, America is producing the doses it's going to donate. So hopefully this means that America can avoid production shutdowns in the future and deliver the doses that it's promising to the world. Now, if you like Power Play so far, please subscribe to the Asian Insider Podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and rate us. Back to SD's US correspondent, Carissa Yong and China correspondent, I think one big challenge China faces in its vaccine diplomacy push is simply that when it comes to efficacy, uh, the Chinese vaccines just don't match up. I think if you look at the two main Chinese jabs that have been used abroad, uh, one from Chinese uh, state-owned firm Sinopharm and the other one from Sinovac, their efficacy at preventing infection is 79 and 50% uh, respectively. Uh, that, that's a far cry from uh, Pfizer and Moderna. They have efficacy rates in excess of 90%. Chinese officials uh, have recently been unusually candid about how their jabs have not been able to match up. 
One Chinese uh, CDC official has said that Chinese vaccines are positioned at preventing severe disease and not at preventing infection. I see two main things resulting from this. First, that China is going to face a very difficult situation now in which it will not be able to relax social distancing restrictions and open up like other vaccinated Western countries, simply because its current domestic vaccines don't prevent transmission of COVID-19. And the second point is, uh, Beijing's vaccine diplomacy efforts abroad are going to run into some roadblocks. You know, as the US gets more active in giving away shots, Chinese vaccines are going to look uh, second rate and subpar compared to the vaccines that America is giving away. I think it is something that policymakers are anxious about now. Uh, you know, they really need to develop more efficacious shots or figure out a way to boost the effectiveness of their current vaccines. Well, Denson, there are pros and cons to both sets of vaccines. China's are easier to store and transport in countries that don't really have the ability to sustain a cold chain, while the Pfizer and Moderna jabs are mRNA vaccines with higher efficacy rates. So I do think the higher efficacy rates will make the American vaccines more popular. But I think what many countries truly want is not just more doses for themselves, but the ability to make vaccines on their own. And it makes sense. If you can make your own vaccines, you have to rely less on what are basically handouts from superpowers with their own diplomatic agendas. You're still going to be vulnerable to shortages of key ingredients needed to make vaccines, but at least you have some ability to provide for your people. You can see this kind of thinking in Southeast Asia, Denson. Vietnam and Thailand have developed their own vaccine candidates that are now in clinical trials. Vietnam is also seeking the technology to produce mRNA vaccines at home. Indonesia is partnering with China to host a regional vaccine production centre, while Pfizer's partner BioNTech will build a vaccine-making facility in Singapore by 2023. So I guess what I'm trying to say is donations are nice and they're very welcome, but they aren't enough. So what America and China could do in their vaccine diplomacy that would really be game-changers is to go beyond handouts and do things like waive intellectual property protections of vaccines, and they can also encourage technology transfers to overseas manufacturers. That, I think, will make the world safer in this pandemic and the next. Carissa, those are good points to think about, and I think that nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to PowerPlay. I'm Danson Chong. And I'm Carissa Yong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. And don't forget to subscribe to the revamped Asian Insider podcast channel on your favourite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, as we roll out new programmes weekly. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.